Hello and welcome to the Legacy Church Podcast. We hope that today's message will inspire you to grow in your journey of faith. We believe that hope is for everyone. So, no matter where you find yourself on your journey of faith, we believe Jesus is willing to meet you right where you're at. So again, thank you for joining us, and we hope you enjoy today's message. But man, uh, I know it's been a couple weeks uh, since I've gotten to preach. How many of you have enjoyed hearing from Lane McDonald and from my wife, Sophia? Man, uh, when, when you're the lead pastor, you can pawn off the hard sermons to other people. But God has a way of kind of dealing with you because I didn't realize I now land on James chapter 4, and I'm going to get up in your grill today, okay? So uh, would you open up your Bibles to the book of James chapter 4? As you know, if you've been tracking with us and if you're visiting us, uh, we, we've been on a series in the book of James. It's five chapters that are jam-packed with gut-wrenching, life-changing things. And we know that every chapter has a lot of things that we can break out. And today, my hope is that we can get at least three different things out of the fourth chapter. But like we always say around here, it's a taste and see on a Sunday morning, right? You're going to get a taste of it, but my encouragement is go home, read, study for yourself, and see what God speaks to you. So would you stand for the reading of God's word this morning as we read James chapter 4? What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? If you, you desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and you quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You adulterous people. Aren't you glad you came to church today? <laughs> Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. And you're going, Tony, I finally brought a friend to church, and this is what you're preaching on. Yes, we'll get there. Do you suppose, is it to no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us? But he gives more grace. Come on, somebody. But he gives more grace. Therefore, it says God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. How many of you know that's good news? Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. Do not speak evil against one another, my brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There's only one lawgiver and judge, he who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? In other words, do not elbow your spouse throughout this sermon. <laughs> Come on. 
Now you who say today or tomorrow we will go into such and such town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit, yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For, if you, are, for you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Holy smokes. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. Father, I thank you for your word. I ask God you would open up our hearts, open up our ears. Help us, God, to be moldable by your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. How many of you guys like me? When you get into a show, say on Netflix or Hulu or whatever, and you really like it, you're tempted to just binge it and get it all done in like one evening. And you say things like, YOLO, you only live once, so it's okay if I go to work tomorrow completely exhausted because I'm going to plow through this series. Any sinners out there like me? Here's the problem with that is eventually you run out of shows and then you're relegated to the shows that were originally made in a different language, but there's the subtitles and the audio in English. Have you guys seen those shows, right? Like where you get on Netflix and now you're down to like the German show, right? And, 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 and it was written in German, but now the audio is in English and you're kind of catching on, right? Or if you're like me, I, I grew up in Central and South America. And so we grew up watching movies that were made in America, but they were translated into Spanish. And so what would happen is the person would be talking, but the audio would be done with the sentence, right? Or vice versa, the audio would still be going and the mouth was no longer moving. You guys remember that? Or anybody encounter that? Right? And, it, and what that does is that can cause some frustration. Quite frankly, it can cause some confusion, right? You're watching and you're not really getting it because it can be a little confusing when the audio does not match the video. Well, today I want to ask you a question that James essentially is asking. Does the audio of your life match the video of your life? In other words, are we simply those that say things or are we those that live the things we say? Uh, You've heard it said before, actions speak louder than words. James, after three chapters, goes after the proverbial jugular and goes, I'm going to get right to it. I'm not just interested in the outside, but God is interested in the fact that what's inside of you should line up with what's on the outside. And if we're honest, my friends, a lot of times the audio of our life does not always match the video of our life. If we're honest with ourselves, the things we say aren't always the things that are actually what we live out. And so today, I want to talk about this idea of how we can align our audio to our video. Because ultimately, are we just happy or satisfied with simply saying things and not living them? What is that rumbling in this place? Oh, motorcycles. Oh, great. Great. I ride a motorcycle too. I just didn't recognize it. Are we good with just aspiring towards values? Or do we actually live out these values? Are we okay with simply saying something or do we actually want to live it out? 
So I want to talk to you today about does your audio line up? First thing I want to talk to you about is this, is if our audio is going to line up, we must understand that we've got to choose one way or another. We can't choose both. We must choose one way or the other because it can't be both. In James chapter 4, at the very beginning, the first four verses, he makes this very clear. He goes, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? My friend, have you ever felt the tug of war of your heart? The apostle Paul describes it as, my flesh says this, but my spirit says this. Right? Have you ever felt that internal struggle where you go, man, I know the right thing to do, but I kind of want to do this. And so I'm at this constant tug of war. You desire, you do not have, so you murder, you covet, you and cannot obtain. In other words, well, if I can't have it, I'm going to steal from those that have it. So I criticize, I trash talk, I steal from anyone out there. See this before. Yeah. You ask, you not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. And here's our key verse right here. You got to choose one way or the other because it can't be both. Why? You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity, en- excuse me, enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Now, I know this isn't a very popular message in the modern church. Because, see, I think with great intentions, the modern church has attempted to just throw wide open arms to everyone and go, we welcome all and we do. But in that process, we've created a culture that causes you to be a lukewarm Christian that lives in the in-between and you're okay with it. And James is speaking to a congregation, to churches, and he's saying, hey guys, you want to know why you're stuck? You want to know why you're not moving forward? Which, by the way, have you ever felt stuck? When you've got that tension inside of you and one thing's pulling you one way, the other one's pulling you another way, the only result there is you feel stuck. James is going, you want to know why you're stuck? Why there's no movement? Because you've got one foot dabbling with the world and another foot dabbling with the kingdom of God. And if we're honest, I would venture to say there's people in this room myself included, that must make a decision. Are we friends with the things of this world or the kingdom of God? Are you willing to truly give it all to the one and only God? Or are you okay with simply dabbling with God is what James is saying. And I think for some of you, it's been too long now for you where you're dabbling with the kingdom while you still dabble with the world. And it's time that you choose one way or the other because it cannot be both. You know, it always works for it to be both as long as I'm stuck and not moving in any direction. And... As I take one step into the world and another one into the things of God, at the beginning, I may be able to do that and get away with it. 
But how many of you know that the further I go into the things of this world, by the way, I shouldn't have ran a half marathon yesterday before I did this. I may or may not have finished in an hour and 46 minutes. That's neither here nor there. As I take one step into the world, man, I'm sore. It's going to get harder and harder. Are you hearing me on this? For you to have one foot in the world and another into the things of God. And eventually it's not going to take a half marathon for your legs to shake. And I'm up here shaking. And it may be comical right now. But apply this to your spiritual life. It will only get harder and harder if you've got one foot in the world and another one in the things of God, you will eventually be split in half. And you can't live that way. Either that or you'll come tumbling down. Now, I'm pretty sore, so I'm going to come down. And James is saying, make your choice. Eventually, you'll have to decide. You know, it's so funny because if you and I don't understand the scripture in its whole context and in its entirety, we're going to miss certain things. And so I just want to encourage you pastorally, just as a quick parenthesis, would you get into the word of God consistently? And, and get it not so that it can just like approve things in your life, but get it so that it can transform things in your life. Yes. But, but what happens is this, is James is speaking to a group of Messianic Jews that would have had a context as to what he was talking about. And so as he's talking about, hey, one foot in the world, one foot in the out, these people could have very easily traced back to the book of Joshua, chapter 24. Which if you've been in church any length of time, you know that chapter 24, verse 15, is not just all over Hobby Lobby as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. By the way, y'all, I love me some Hobby Lobby. I'm not going to deny it, okay? I'm the shopper in my house, okay? So, ladies, I'm going to help you out. And gentlemen, I'm going to help you out too. Uh, it's almost Christmas season, which means the coupons are just around the corner. <laughs> but, you know, we, we see the scripture on Hobby Lobby walls, and you see it in your grandmother's house. You know, she, she, she stitched it together, right? But do you know the context of this scripture? Joshua 24, 14. Therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in all faithfulness. Put away the gods of your fathers, the, uh, the ones that served, that, that your fathers served, excuse me, beyond the river and in Egypt, and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, then choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your fathers or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. James is speaking to a group of people and he's saying, just like Joshua of old, you will have to make a choice. Who will you serve? 
And the thing is, back then, idols were much more obvious. And so we read about these idols, and for us, it's like, are you kidding me? You're like bowing down to some statue? Like some man-made thing that's been chiseled out of stone? And we lose the message because our modern idols are not as obvious. Our modern idols have to do more with money, with pride, with getting yours. It's a message that this world talks to you and goes, you do you, and you step on anybody on your way to doing you. And we idolize people, we idolize status, we idolize as Christians even how we show up and, and kind of portray our status to people, if we're honest. And God's going, remove anything that is in my place. And I got to tell you this. Some of you are in this room today and it's been too long where you've just played games with God. And I'm telling you, as the words come out of my mouth, there's fear and trembling. I promise you, I'm not just doing this for effect. I just hear the voice of the Lord tell me, today is a day where you've got to decide, my friend. And not out of fear, not out of this God that's going to smite me, not out of this preacher that's pretty intense sweating up here and stretching on two ladders. No, but will you decide one way or the other? Because, my friend, we cannot continue to have one foot in the world while trying to serve God with Because there is only one God you can serve. Yes. And you will eventually fail one of them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. You know, you can stand as long as you're stuck between two things. But if you want movement in your life, you will have to daily choose. Will you have friendship with the world or with God? Last week, Pastor Sophia said something that was incredible. And she said it in passing. And I don't know if some of you guys heard it. But she said, the ways of this world are becoming less and less compatible with the ways of the kingdom of God. Do you remember that? In other words, the gap between the ways of this world and the gap between the ways of the kingdom of God, I'm just helping myself out a little bit here, is getting wider and wider. And the more I relate with the world, the wider the gap. Can I do this? <laughs> the wider the gap gets. Now, this is the last time I get up on this ladder because I'm making you nervous. And holy smokes, I really should have thought this through. Running a half marathon yesterday was not good for this thing. But I, I want you to hear this. When you make a choice, even coming down, you'll have to choose what you cling to. Because I can't come down by keeping both feet on both sides. I have to choose a side to cling to as I come down. So as I come down and I choose God's side, I've got to be able to cling to that side. Are you getting something out of this today? Good, because I'm not doing that again, okay? 
You ready for some good news, though? Yes. I mean, that's pretty good news. Let me give you some. I told you the good was going to get gooder, okay? You don't have to make this choice alone. And you also don't have to just gut it up and just kind of go, okay, I just got to, like, forcefully get my way out of the world and into God's way and, like, okay, preacher. Which is my second point today, and that's this. You and I have available to us this beautiful thing called empowering grace. James 4, 5 to 10. Do you suppose it is to no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us? And then it says, but he gives more grace. Here's the good news is you don't have to keep striving to make the outside stuff of your life, the outwards working of your life to look right and to align itself to God. My friend, what's available to you today is an invitation to the responding that you and I can have to the empowering grace of God. You see, the grace of Jesus is not just something that gives us what we don't deserve and gave him what he didn't deserve, but the grace of Jesus is there to empower you to do, hear me, what you can't do for yourself. And my friend, you couldn't save yourself, therefore you can't transform yourself. And some of y'all are stuck because you accepted salvation, but you have not accepted transformation. And you accepted His grace for the forgiveness of your sin, for the pardon of your sin, which is beautiful, but you yet to allow the grace of God to transform you and to take its power and hold on you to actually change you from the inside out. And so, you show up Sunday after Sunday doing your best. Busy but blessed. Amen, brother. (laughs) Hallelujah. Walking in victory. (laughs) Right? And we've got these. And and by the way, like we learned last week, change your words, change your life. There's power in what we say. But what's happening here? Yes. Yes. I know you're in a charismatic church, but I'm about to quote John Piper. And John Piper says this, grace is not simply leniency when we have sinned. Grace is the enabling gift of God not to sin. Grace is power, not just pardon. You see, I believe we've confused grace as a freely given pass as opposed to the freely given power. Power to change. Power to be transformed. Power to respond. And absolutely, boy, do I rejoice when I read verse 6. And it says, but he gives more grace. But Paul himself later on, or or prior to this, had had actually asked the question, so where where grace abounds, so does that mean that more sin should abound? And the clear answer to that is is no. And and we love verse 6, but I actually want to take you back to verse 4. And I really want to insult you for a second. You adulterous people. Ouch. Right? That kind of, like, can we all agree that's a little harsh? That's kind of borderline offensive. 
this is a pastor writing a letter to his churches. Can you imagine if I wrote a letter? Okay. Some of you are getting offended over lesser things, by the way. And that's another story. And this pastor goes to his congregation. You adulterous people. But let me explain something to you that if you, if you miss it, hear me. If you miss this line because you get stuck in how offensive it is, you're going to miss the magnitude of the message James is sending. Because again, James is speaking to Messianic Jews. Jews that grew up reading the first, what we now know as the first five books of the Bible. Jews that grew up not just reading, but memorizing the major and minor prophets. Jews that knew and would have had a reference point for what these words are. And so as they're hearing you adulterous people, their mind doesn't go to offense or defense. Their mind goes to the book of Hosea, chapter 1 and 2, where in this minor prophet we read one of the most beautiful stories of a man named Hosea, whom God instructed to marry someone who he knew would cheat on him. Also, by the way, those of you that think the Bible is boring, go read your Bible. <laughs> and Hosea 1 and 2, God instructs the prophet, and he says, you're going to go marry this woman, and back then you had to pay in order to buy her. But, but before you marry her, I'm going to tell you up front, she's not going to be faithful to you. In fact, she's going to sell herself to other men. She'll give, give herself freely to other men. And she's going to cheat on you. And, and I don't mean to be offensive or just crude or crass, but the Bible actually describes her with the word a whore. She was a whore. Literally, that's what it says. And God tells this man to go and marry her knowingly. And then we see Hosea chapter 3. <laughs> and it says this. And the Lord said to me, go again, love a woman who is loved by another man and is an adulteress, even as the Lord loves the children of Israel though they turn to other gods and love cakes of raisins. By the way, I'm sure there's a theological explanation for this, but uh, needless to say, if you're eating raisins in your banana bread, um, it's unbiblical. Like, stick with the chocolate chip, y'all. And if you're shaking your head at me, there's still hope for you. Yeah. And, so, and so look at this. He'd already paid for his bride. Right. Then he lost her because she's giving herself away. So now he's having to catch this by her back. Yeah. This is why it's important for you to understand the word of God. The Old Testament is constantly pointing to Jesus Christ. Yes. Yes. Come on, church. I'm going to offend you a little more. You and I are that unfaithful bride. Yes. You and I are that bride that God knew would royally fail him over and over again. He knew we would fall flat on our faces 
Come on, he knew we would turn to other gods. He knew we would look inward and go, I don't want to do the hard work. He knew that we wouldn't be faithful to one another. He knew we would slander one another. He knew we would, we would look at, at his commandments and we would throw them against the wall and do whatever we wanted to do and call good things evil and evil things good. He knew all this. Are you catching what James is saying to these people? God knowingly chooses to send His Son man and goes, I'll pay the price. I'll buy my bride back. Not only is this a prophetic picture here, and I, I, I don't have the time to read all of the book of Hosea or the whole third chapter, but I want you to go read it. But I, I'm sure we could all agree that even if we were to remove the spiritual prophetic side of Hosea, we would all agree that when you receive a gift, you would want to respond to that gift in an appropriate way. Right? Like when you receive something you don't deserve, the proper response is to guard it, to appreciate it, to take care of it, and to not abuse of it. Empowering grace says, I was that bride who was unfaithful, and he knew I'd be unfaithful, yet he gave me something I didn't deserve. And when I receive something I don't deserve, my only reasonable response is lead me to your will, lead me to your way, lead me to what pleases you. I owe you big time. Amen. James 4, 5 says, do you suppose it is to no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us. Let me explain something to you. The Spirit of God was not just being described as this ethereal thing. But James, knowing that, that just like on the day of Pentecost, now the Spirit of God has been poured out and now dwells not just among you, but in you and through you. James is now going, hey, you've got a power in you that now allows you to go through this power, I can be transformed. And I don't know if you're catching what I'm saying here, but one of the things that James is, is addressing to a people that, again, would have a reference point is their reference point of the presence and spirit of God is that it's isolated to this box that they would carry into a tabernacle and guard very carefully. But he's now talking to New Testament believers and saying, hey, you're now the tabernacle. You're now the temple. By the way, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit is not an excuse for some Instagrammer to try to get you to get into his fitness account, okay? Like, it's not like a fitness thing, okay? Now, yes, take care of your body. Go work out. Go run. Go lift some weights. Eat well. All that stuff. But this is talking about, I now am the tabernacle of the Spirit of God. And so, before it was in a box, and we used to guard it and take care of it everywhere it went, but now, hear me, hear me, church, and I think this is what we have lost. 
I think because we are privileged to have him indwelling in us, we have taken for granted the care that we should give it. Because it's not isolated to this box. Well, he's just with us and it's just this thing that we take for granted. And here's where I want to challenge you today. Will you understand, not just here, but like really get it, that if you are the carrier of the presence of God, that means everywhere you go, the presence of God is there. The Spirit of God is there. I think we need to begin to ask the question, does the Spirit of God belong here? And that here is enter that sin that separates you. You walk into that bar to get completely plastered. Does the Spirit of God belong here? You you walk into that alleyway and that street to meet a certain someone and you ask yourself, is this where the Spirit of God belongs? You enter into a conversation where everyone is slandering and trash-talking people and judging others. You ask yourself, is this where the Spirit of God belongs? You walk into that office and you're staring at that screen and you're about to type something in. And no, this isn't just an attack on men. Wake up. And you ask yourself, is the Spirit of God to be watching and engaging with this? I could go on forever, but I think you get what I'm saying. Something will change in you and I when you and I understand that we house the Spirit of God. I'm not perfect at this at all. I'm not. You can ask my wife how imperfectly perfect I am. (laughs) See what I did there? But there's something that's taken place even as I've studied the book of James in my life where I've had to ask myself before I speak, before I take an action, before I even stop a thought in its tracks and go, does the Spirit of God belong in this moment? When you truly get this, And like, I mean, truly deep down inside, right? That friendship with the world no longer should look attractive. Then things begin to change. Friendship with the the world will always look enticing. Until the spirit of God is dwelling in you and convicts you. And then it's disgusting. Can I say that? I just did and I'm gonna. I had a friend, not a friend, pastor of mine, tell me, Tony, your sin should disgust you. The problem is some of us like our sin. And it doesn't disgust us quite yet. So we've got one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom of God. My thighs are really hurting from right now. I, I need you to laugh because it was feeling a little heavy in here. 
Can I finish this point, and then we'll get to the third point and wrap this service up, okay? Can I finish this point by telling you this? Have you ever noticed that what the world has to offer you always leaves you wanting more? This is why if you struggle with alcoholism, doesn't matter how much you drink, you'll always want more. This is why when you're addicted sexually, you, you, could, you could never be satisfied. That's why when you're addicted to a drug or a substance, it's just going to leave you wanting more. Maybe your God, your, your, your idol is, is money. And have you noticed? You just will still never make enough to satisfy you. Or maybe it's friendships. You just, no, and no friend will ever satisfy you. Or maybe it's really, it's the woman at the well, y'all. And here's where we get it wrong. We go, that's that woman. No, no, we is her. Y'all thought I was done preaching. But I'm getting more ideas as we preach here. What the world has to offer will always leave you wanting more because it's always empty. Now, i got to create a parenthesis and tell you, you're here and you're struggling with something. Welcome to the club. I'm not here to condemn you. Certainly, God is not here to condemn you yet. We'll talk about his judgment later. No, I'm teasing. On this side of eternity, I'm telling you, God is not even looking down on you right now going... He's actually that father going. Yes. 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 So I'm not here to, to bring condemnation. I, I hope that what you walk out of here with some conviction that will empower you to, to go, I'm going to reach out to the grace of God. Amen. Yeah. And I, I'm going to cry out for that grace because it's available. And I, I do got to say this. I know I joked an inappropriate joke just about 30 seconds ago, but I got to say, say this. There is an urgency in my heart to tell you, seek him now while he may be found. His promise, come on, is that when we drink from the water he has to offer, we will thirst no more. Come on, his promises. If you knew the food I have to give you, you wouldn't be hungry. The, my things, kingdom things, they satisfy you in a way that the only desire for wanting more is just more of the same thing of him. But not because you're not satisfied, but because as a response you go, I just want more of this. Okay, third and final point. Are you, guys, are you guys good still? Okay, you get something out of that? Forgive me for that stupid remark earlier. Uh, for real. My, my bad. Number three. Tend your own garden. Yes, amen. Do not speak evil against another brother. Or against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is only one lawgiver and judge. Look at this, look at this. He who is able to both save and destroy. But who are you to judge 
your neighbor. Can I tell you something? There are certain points that preach themselves. Right? Like, there's not a lot of explanation that you need from me in this moment when I say, tend your own garden. And when we read a scripture like this. But you know what we do? We focus so much on everyone else. And we become judgmental of one another that we forget there's weeds growing in our own yard. You know, I have, my wife and I, we have five kids. And I love them dearly. Sometimes it can be difficult. Love you guys. But you can be difficult. (laughs) And the other night, Sophia was working here at the church in an evening. And so I was hanging out with the kids at home. And selfishly, I admit, I just wanted to watch soccer. It was 7 o'clock at night. MLS is in the playoffs. Come on. It's like, thank you. That's why Discover Legacy will end promptly at 2.30 because the pregame, okay? The first game is at 3. Love to stick around and talk to you after the playoffs. I'm kidding. And I literally counted, you guys. It was three interruptions on the minute. And they were all, Dad, so-and-so's doing this. Dad, so-and-so did that. Dad, so-and-so is doing this. And, and I love my kids. I'm not trying to embarrass them. But, but help me out, Nunez kids. What do I say? Who are what? Thank you. Those are my well-trained kids right there. Who are you in charge of? Okay. Some of you have not outgrown that infancy yet. Some of you have not realized who are you in charge of. And here's what I, if you haven't gotten it yet, you and I should be so busy with point one and point two of this sermon that we won't even have enough time to look at our neighbor's garden. To worry about, uh, but you know what we do? They missed some leaves over there. I see some weeds growing there. Man, if they don't take care of that, they're clearly not from Idaho because if they don't take care of that goat head, they don't know that it's going to take over everything. <laughs> oh, it's overgrown over here. Oh, they're, they're, they've got all these, like, you know, these branches coming off of the side. And they're like... My friend, you should be so busy... Doing this work? Then you have no... I gotta say this. Okay. Some of y'all got too much time on your hands. (laughs) Worrying about this, worrying about that, worrying about that person, criticizing this, criticizing that person. And then it wraps up, guys. this This is incredible what James says here. As he's beginning to wrap up this letter, he goes, you know the only one that can judge? It's not just the person who can destroy. It's the person that can save. And here's what happens. You and I are fully capable of destruction. But you know what we're not capable of? Salvation. So 
until you can save yourself, save the judging of others. Oh, is that? Mm. My time should be spent doing and living, not judging what others aren't doing and living. Okay. This is what we're going to do to wrap up this service. Okay. Every service, I give you guys four different ways that you can respond, and absolutely there's still a possibility for you to pray. If you need prayer for anything, you can head over to the prayer corner and get some prayer. We're going to sing a song and worship. We're going to have communion, but that's really where I want to focus on a lot today is, is our response in communion, and I'm going to walk you through it here in just a second. And then there's giving, giving of your heart. Maybe you've never given your heart and your life over to Jesus Christ, or maybe you've done that before and you straight away and you want to come back. If that's you today, at any point over the next song, you can head over to the prayer corner. Somebody can walk you through that. If legacy is your home, it's also a, a reminder and a prompt as we respond to, to give of our tithes and offering. But where I want to hone in on today in our time of response is I ask the team to sing a specific song because I want us to approach the communion table in a different way today. You see, I believe all of us here, myself included, have things that we've had one foot on one ladder and the other in the other, and we've got to have a moment of repentance before the Lord. Hear me on this church. When we repent before God, it means I recognize and I, I first ask Him, where have I gone wrong? Some of us, it's so obvious, we don't really need to ask Him. We'll know. And we go, God, I'm not just sorry, but I, I want to turn completely in the different direction. And I believe the moment of repentance, where we come to Him like that, here's what's beautiful, is we will always encounter His grace. Yes. So I want you to let His grace wash over you and offer you that pardon, but also ask now for it to empower you to live differently. And so, in a second, I'm going to have you stand. I'm going to pray. And at any time, I'm going to have you just head over to the communion tables here in the front or in the back. But I want you to first have a moment where you can truly go, God, here's where my foot has been in the world. And I got to repent from that. Today, I, I, I choose your ways. And allow His grace to do its thing. And the reason why we're going to do that at the communion table is because None of this would even be possible if it wasn't for the death, sacrifice, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So, Father, would you stand your feet? Father, I thank you for these people today. I thank you for your word. I thank you for Jesus' sacrifice for every person in this room and those online. I pray now, God, that you would show us where we have one foot in and one foot out. Help us to repent. Forgive us, God, as we repent and empower us, God, to live differently. So now, Lord, as we look to respond to you, I pray that it would be a genuine response that leads us into transformation. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's, let's respond, church. Thank you once again for joining us today. We hope today's message encouraged you, challenged you, and caused your faith to grow. If you enjoyed today's message, we highly encourage you to subscribe to this podcast. That way you don't miss out on any future messages. To get to know us, 
to get connected with us and to know how you can best partner with us, head to our website, LegacyChurchID.com or come see us in person at our campus in Meridian, Idaho. We look forward to connecting with you. May God bless you and have a great rest of your day.